Hi everybody, I am Chrissy Baki. I am the hippie Christian who cares and what a week I have had since I sort of spoke to you last. I had such a bad cold last week and I'm not 100%, I gotta be honest, I still have a few things that are ailing me, but so much has happened in one week that has really made me ponder a whole lot of things. I also have a little note that says, shout out Trudy, you never shout out Trudy. So I thought, yeah, I gotta say a little, hey Trudy, Um, I think this is gonna be a great sesh for you. And Zach, my new friend at the Hampton Inn in Clearfield, Pennsylvania, if you should happen to take this episode in, I told you I would shout you out, and here you go. Great Hampton Inn in Clearfield. Everybody was super kind, super helpful, and it was a delightful place to stay. So that isn't even the commercial, but this week is really going to be a total like brain scratcher, um, maybe Chrissy on a soapbox a little bit, and I just want to get everybody thinking. I want everybody to really ponder some good stuff. So stick with me and we are going to talk about how big our God is. In one week's time, I have really been pondering God on so many levels. And I have titled this episode, You Can't Contain God, because I think in the past week, I have realized that God is enormous, like huge. That sounded very Donald Trump. Sorry about that. But like big, very, very big. And that sounded like Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. Anyways, let me just continue to quote celebrities. The truth is, he is so almighty, omnipotent, all-knowing, the Alpha and Omega, and yet we try to want to explain him and figure out things, and we want answers to our prayers, when we want them, how we want them, the way we want them. And it is crazy. In the last week, I have like pondered like some really big, serious things. Like I've pondered healing. I had a crazy travel experience. I traveled from Sunday morning at 6.30 a.m. until Monday evening at nine o'clock when I got home to Janesville. And that whole experience just made me realize how big God is. I've pondered grief this week, um, both at the loss of a friend's sister and sharing grief with people in a group called Grief Share. And if you struggle with grief in any way, shape, or form, this Grief Share program has so many tools, like tons and tons and tons. And it's amazing, especially if you are somebody of faith. If you're not, 
it's still worth going. You will learn a little bit about, well, you'll learn a lot about faith and what, you know, Christians believe. Once again, a little bit of like us trying to explain who God is and his part in this whole grief thing. And don't get me wrong, filled and packed with amazing things. But on the other hand, God is God and we are not. Um, Vision planning for our church, volunteering, like just the daily life of um, workload and housework and relationships and, you know, health and wellness and mental health and relationships. I don't even know if I said that. Oh my gosh, there, it's just, I say it all the time. And my friend Judy always quotes me on this too. Life is so messy. It is. And we just continue to go through it. And a lot of times we just take so much for granted. And so as I was um, traveling, I started listening to a book called Unity by Francis Chan. And I got the book because Francis Chan wrote another book called Crazy Love that really inspired me. He just talks about how crazy in love our Jesus is with us and for us to respond in a similar way. And he even went as far as just living really within his means and nothing extravagant at all, no extras at all, and really moving book. And I just loved how it just spoke of the love of Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He also wrote a book about the Holy Spirit, and I can't remember the name of that, but you can Google Francis Chan. And so Unity talks about how let's quit being so divided amongst the church with a capital C. And I totally agree. I got to tell you, though, I was having a little bit of like, wow, Francis, you are just pounding this. And I think it's one of those cases where you sort of go to the extreme to make a point. But I feel like, you know, pepper a little, um, gospel in there. And maybe I should say like sprinkle a little gospel because pepper sounds hot and spicy, but sprinkle sounds like candy and glitter. And so gospel is there. But when we know the gospel of Christ, we want to follow like God's rules, God's commandments, and we want to hate the things that God hates. And so, like I said, there's, there's one, a couple times where I just thought, lighten up, Francis. P.S. Does anybody remember that from Stripes? Um, killer. I think that's what the guy's name is. My name is Francis, but people call me Killer. And he's like, touch my stuff and I'll kill you. Do this and I'll kill you. And then Sergeant Hulk is like, lighten up, Francis. The odds of Francis Chan listening to this podcast is probably pretty slim, but I'm not ripping on him because I think Francis Chan is an unbelievable scholar of God and a 
servant of Christ and constantly looking for all of us to push the envelope and to continue to think hard and long and dig deep into what is God saying when he says X. And so just really, I mean, really a good man. And I am learning a lot, but he was coming on pretty heavy in this book. And I was kind of like, whoa. And I was already overwhelmed because like I said, I traveled on Sunday at 6.30 a.m. I got on a Van Gelder bus in Janesville, Wisconsin. It's Coach USA, which I think those might be all over the United States. I'm not sure, but Van Gelder is from Janesville. Um, his wife was my art teacher, and she kind of looked like Raquel Welch, which if you are under the age of 50, you probably will not know who that is. Google it. She was the supermodel, megastar actress of her day. Rumor had it like she had a rib removed to make her waist skinnier. That's probably just sick gossip. But she was gorgeous and amazing. And so was my art teacher, as many of the art teachers that I serve and know are. So to my art teacher friends, I love you all. I know Rebecca is a listener. Um, sometimes I think Lynn listens. Debbie, I think you listen sometimes. So if you ever want a shout out, hit me up with an email, hippiechristian at gmail, hippiechristianwhocares at gmail.com. It's the full sentence. And so anyways, I got on a bus 6.30 a.m. to Chicago and actually everything went pretty decent. I went through the whole clear like interview thing where you look into this camera and it takes a picture of your eyes and it gets your fingerprints and all that kind of stuff. Helps you get to security a little bit faster. So that was awesome. Um, I listened to a book on Audible about Ruth, and that was phenomenal. And then I got to Philadelphia, and that's where things kind of started getting weird. I was already a little bit tired and certainly wasn't 100%, but I thought I better, I, I always feel like it's better to find your terminal before you do anything else. And of course, before you do anything else is eat, right? Always got to fight like as if I'm going to crash and then I'm going to have to survive on the last thing I ate at the airport. Ridiculous, right? Or I might not ever eat again. So find something delicious at the airport. And the good news is food is kind of delicious at the airport. There's a lot of great stuff that you can get, but I wasn't super duper starving, but I knew that, um, you know, I was going to have kind of an interesting, <laughs> um, night ahead of me. And so, yeah, the airport the airlines that I was flying out of was called Southern Airlines. Oh my goodness. 
they only have teeny tiny planes. So this trip from Philadelphia to, I'm lying, it was Pittsburgh, from Pittsburgh to Du Bois, like a hop, skip, and a jump. So that's why they send what most people call a puddle jumper. But when you say a puddle jumper, I mean, it for sure had a dozen people on it and 10 of us were passengers. There was no, um, there was nothing that separated the pilot from the co and the co-pilot from the passengers. The co-pilot also was kind of the airline attendant, just in terms of getting us on the plane and sort of reading the rules to us. But as I was the last person on the plane, he's like, hey, can I get your help shutting the door? What? Oh my gosh, you're going to ask me to sort of snap the door shut? And when I say snap the door shut, I legit mean it's this tiny little oblong handle that's not even as durable as my car handle. And there was a small little snap that you went, click. And the young man um, and his wife, who the young man sat next to me and the wife sat ahead of me, they, and I think that's because I weighed more than her because they actually asked how much you weigh to fly on these planes. Of course they do. Of course they ask that in the year that I've gained some weight and I'm feeling a little bit bad about myself. Come on. I told it loud and proud, didn't even care because I'm like, life's too short to be stressed out about small things that can be fixed and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, so they have flown before. They're from Philadelphia and they have flown to this tiny little town before. And so, which made me wonder, what were you doing here? But that's a whole nother story. And so he's like, yep, you got the, you got the handle, right? And I'm thinking right there, right in a door handle in and of itself said how big God was. That if God helped men create this tiny little plane with what feels like a plastic door handle snap lock. Yeah, he's pretty huge and amazing. And by the way, did I tell you the little teeny tiny airport that I landed in? Yeah, on Friday, they wouldn't rent me a car. Biggest reason is because they couldn't get a hold of the manager to give the paperwork to for Sunday because they would be closed and they're closed on Monday too. So we, we just can't rent you a car this time. Yeah, full knowing that there's only one Uber driver to be found. Crazy. I was in a panic, like how am I going to get to this 35 minute away town that I had business in. I don't need to continue to ramble about my travels, but I probably will continue anyways. But that right there, a plastic door handle was one of the things that made me feel this vastness of God. And then the whole idea of containing God, um, going to give Francis Chan a lot of that credit because his whole point was, who are we to say the Bible means this, God is speaking this meaning and, and our way is right. 
because there are tons of denominations or non-denominations. Why are we fighting each other? And so his whole point was, we need to be church with a capital C. And his, his continual point is, God is huge, which then, of course, made me think of the song, How Great Thou Art. And when I was talking a little bit about grief, I think if you say, have you ever heard the song, How Great Thou Art? It's going to be in one of probably three scenarios. The first one, it, I think most people are going to say, yeah, it was sung at my grandpa's funeral or my uncle's funeral or somebody's funeral. The second one might be, oh yeah, we sing it in, at church sometimes. And the third one is if you're into country music, sometimes country music fans do, um, or country music singers do like gospel albums and how great thou art is definitely like a classic. And so I'm going to give you the words because we take this song for granted. They sing it at a funeral. And do you really truly listen to the words or are you just sort of connecting it to the person that died, which is mostly what we do and quite honestly, kind of the point of a funeral with the exception of knowing that God is so great. So it starts off with, by the way, the, it was written in 1886. So longevity of this song, pretty big. Um, and the author's name is Carl Bobbert. And this is the first verse. Oh Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, the power throughout the universe displayed. And then, of course, the chorus says, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. So literally, we are talking about the God who created the universe and every planet, every star in it. And yeah, God is great, how huge, how magnificent, how powerful, how almighty, right? Um, next verse totally takes me back to being in the tiny little puddle jumper and the trip from Philly to Du Bois was about maybe 45 minutes, 50 minutes at the max. Um, but here's the second verse of How Great Thou Art. When through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and see the brook and feel the gentle breeze. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. I won't completely continue to repeat that because... I know my sister will completely make fun of me for dragging it right out. Drag, 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 drag. I do that. Um, so I'll save everybody from that. But how great thou art when you think about woods and forests and birds. And when you look down from a mountain, for me to see 
the landscape of Pennsylvania was not necessarily breathtaking until at one part I was like, is that like a cave and you can see the other side of the sky through it? Like I felt like it was a hole in the earth in which you could see the other side and it was sky and clouds. And then I realized that it was like a lake so clear that it was reflecting the sky and the clouds. And it was breathtaking. It was unbelievable, beautiful. So the next verse, and there's several, so stick with me. It says, and when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. And I think we tell the story over and over about Easter and Good Friday and Jesus dying on the cross. And when someone we love dies, we remind ourselves that, you know, that's the reason Jesus died on the cross, so that that person won't stay dead, that they will live eternally with Christ when they know Jesus. And so when you think about Jesus dying on the cross and taking on your sins, your sickness, all the hurt and pain in this world, oh my gosh, you, it is hard to take that in. And, and we should sing how great thou art. The last verse really says so much, especially at a funeral. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow in humble adoration and then proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Because I'm pretty sure we will be in awe when Christ comes to take us home to heaven. And that is the part that is supposed to give comfort to people who are grieving the loss of somebody that Christ has come to pick this person up to go home to heaven. Wow, that is amazing, right? And when we spoke at Grief Share in our group, we talked about the session that we were on was when we ask why, why did this happen too soon, um, too tragic, um, a million whys, right? And the why is because in John 14 says, I go and I prepare a place for you. And when it's ready, I will come and get you. And again, we just, we, Sometimes we can we contain God in thinking when he's ready to come get whoever, any of us, to go to heaven, that it might not be the right time. 
this is God and he's personally coming to pick us up. Oh my goodness. Like God is awesome and amazing. And I'm going to be real honest when you're in a tiny little puddle jumper, there is that moment that you're like, Hmm, maybe today's the day you're going to pick me up. It wasn't, I'm here to talk about it. And again, the amazingness of God actually making this plane fly. I mean, I felt like I was with Orville and what's Orville Wright's brother's name? I'm going to have to look it up. Anyways, amazing. God is so great. Kind of cracking up because apparently there was a typo in on the internet. Can you imagine the internet having a mistake? It's Carl Boberg, not Bobert. Anyways, Carl Boberg was a young pastor, um, minister, and he wrote it when he was on a two-mile walk in the rain on the way to a church meeting, and it was actually a thunderstorm. And it has been around for a long, long time. It became popular in 1957 in the United States. And interestingly enough, it was when Billy Graham started doing crusades. And this one was the Billy Graham crusade in New York City. And clearly, How Great Thou Art became even more popular. Interestingly enough, talking about division in the church, there was a lot of controversy surrounding a Super Bowl ad about, um, I think it's, I can't remember what the name of the company is, He Gets Us, but it's all about Jesus Christ and saying that, you know, Jesus gets us. And the ads are beautiful and amazing. And in and of itself, the theology isn't wrong. There's a lot of people stressed out and angry because of who funds this group. And I get frustrated because it, in an article that I read, it even spoke of Billy Graham and things that people consider Billy Graham to have done wrong, so to speak, not anything scandalous, but just getting religion wrong and getting the Bible wrong. I think Billy Graham did more right than he did wrong. And anything theologically that he was messed up, pretty sure he's straight with God now because anybody who brings that many people to faith is doing the right thing. And if this company that decided to spend a good chunk of money to tell people about Jesus. You know, God uses bad theology sometimes to bring people to Christ. There's been a lot of televangelists. And as much as you want to point the finger and say they're terrible humans, it's amazing how many people came to Christ when they were broadcast because they were broadcast all over the world. So who are we to 
be the judge of these humans. And don't get me wrong, stand up for what is good, what is right, and what you think God wants you to. But be careful when somebody is pointing people in the direction of Christ. You might not agree with everything. And as churches, we don't agree about all the different things that we hold near and dear to us. But let's sit down and have conversation about what we do agree on, about agreeing on the love of Jesus Christ and loving God and loving people and showing that kindness and being filled with the Holy Spirit and being moved by the Holy Spirit to bring people to Christ. So, so, so important. I think sometimes, like my situation with travel with, I flew into the tiniest airport in the world. I don't know if that's really true or not, but it certainly felt like it got the absolute grace of God to get the only Uber driver in the area available. And then he gave me his telephone number to call him the next day so that he could drive me back to the airport. In the meantime, I had to get from the hotel to the appointment that I had. And apparently in that teeny little tiny town, there was only one Uber driver that lived about 15 minutes away. And I got his number. Um, he had left on a business card that had an American flag on it. And it just said, John, John and Richard were heroes because they were kind and good and willing to help me out. Yeah. Did they get paid for it? Of course they did. But we all know not very much. It wasn't like I'm some sort of millionaire doling out huge dollars. Um, and I can't give away money that isn't mine. And so, because it was a business trip. So, wow. Like, that just reminded me of the vastness of God. That God is in control of everything. Even the boring Chrissy Bakke on a business trip. Like this isn't life or death. This isn't world changing in any way, shape or form. And he still cared enough to make sure I got where I was going when I needed to go there. And it all worked out. Amazing. And on top of that, he gave me these crazy little airplane rides. My second one was to Washington, D.C. The next day, um, I flew to D.C. and then on to Chicago. guess that was just the flight pattern that United followed. And so um, instead of going back to Pittsburgh, and so I would have rather gone back to Pittsburgh because the flight from Du Bois to Washington, D.C., was a little bit longer and a lot more turbulent. And if you ever want to feel the power of Jesus Christ himself or God Almighty, yeah, turbulence definitely makes you be fully aware of our God. In Grief Share this evening, we spoke of um, 
it wasn't this evening. It was Tuesday evening, which is when I'm recording this. We spoke about Job. And Job, if you don't know the story of Job, the book is long and daunting. But when you do it as a Bible study in a group and just really ponder everything, it's pretty darn amazing. And so Job continues to defend himself and to defend God. And in Job 26, 7 to 14, he's defending it against friends who are like, come on, Job, obviously you did something wrong because God is causing all these things to happen to you. And Job says, God stretches the northern sky over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. He wraps the rain in his thick clouds and the clouds don't burst with the weight. He covers the face of the moon, shrouding it with clouds. He created the horizon when he separated the waters. He set the boundary between day and night. The foundations of heaven tremble. They shudder at his rebuke. By his power, the sea grew calm. By his skill, he crushed the great sea monster. His spirit made the heavens beautiful, and his power pierced the gliding serpent. These are just the beginning of all that he does, merely a whisper of his power. Who then can comprehend the thunder of his power? What's really unbelievable, though, is even though Job is compl- is um, not complaining at this point. He's um, defending God and God's power. He does start to get worn down and wore out, and he continues to ask God, you know, why is this happening? Why, you know, what did I do? And he starts falling into human sinfulness of questioning God and all that kind of stuff. And in chapter 38 of Job, the Lord starts to speak. And I can't read it all because it goes on and on and on. Um, And God doesn't even give us probably the full account because he could go on and on and on. But he says... Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. Surely you know who stretched a measuring line across it. On what were its footings set, or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in the thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, This far you may come and no farther, Here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? 
The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light, and their upright raised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the date of the deep? God continues to talk for several chapters, and he he's just talking about that he's almighty, and he doesn't owe us an explanation, and he's. I don't want to say he's not mad because he's definitely kind of scolding Job. But on the other hand, he's really just saying, I'm God and I'm in charge and I've done these magnificent things. And somehow you all want an explanation. And by the way, your friends are ridiculous. And so um, he just shows that God is so, so powerful. And the the happy ending is all the possessions and like financial things that Job has been, has been taken from Job have been given back. He gets a new family, and that certainly does not replace the family that he had lost. But he gets happiness and um, like some earthly happiness. But our joy comes from Christ, right? Flying on Sunday, flying home on Monday, I was exhausted. I'm still exhausted. I feel like overwhelmed just in daily life. Like my brain couldn't even function. I went to the grocery store and I didn't have a list and I just walked out because I was too tired to even think about what to buy for groceries. And I had our grief share group tonight and I knew I had this podcast and I wasn't even sure. But Francis Chan's unity was really weighing heavy on my heart in how big God is and how let's not contain him to just a song or just a Bible verse or, you know, getting on a plane and taking it for granted that you're going to get where you're going without even thinking about all that God has done to create this experience and looking down at this amazing, beautiful earth that God said, and it was, oh my goodness, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. I hope you all will take some time to ponder how big, how powerful, and how great our God is. Have a wonderful week, my friends. Oh, and by the way, Susie, I thought of you while I was traveling too. You always make me laugh and always make me think of silly things. And so just a shout out to my sister Susie. And of course, number two, Paul. It's been a rough week for you, buddy. I love you all so much. Hang in there. We'll get through it together. Thank you.